So explain owner. explain to people how the bank comes up with the sale price for those properties that um, you know that they own. So the bank has an obligation to its shareholders and to the well to the to itself to get the highest and best money for a property. Right. However, there are some challenges in doing so and going too far of a market. These banks are going to write down the property to what they believe to be market value at any given time. So what right. they carry it for on their balance sheet could be a different number than, for example, what they took the property over for and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When they're trying to clear their balance sheet, they're not looking to to make money off these properties. That's not how banks typically work. Right. And any excess funds probably should go back to the original owner. And some right. states have arduous and challenging legal issues with making money on a foreclosure for a bank. Okay. So more often than not, they will sell them at their carrying balance so that it's a net zero on their mm. balance sheet. However, when they sell them, they do have to recognize any losses that they may not have recognized or they may have held in reserve. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. People have, uh, people have hit me up saying that was a good episode and I should stop picking on you so much. <laughs> you do pick on me so much. I, I thought it was witty banter, but apparently people's feelings are all caught up and hurt. Uh, man, I got thick skin and we've been friends for a long time. I was also told that I can't make any more fat jokes, so I'm not going to take the thick skin comment and use it to my advantage strategically. Okay, well, I'll do it and I'll call you fat. Can't call yourself fat I don't fat know that anymore. you can do that either. <laughs> but let's just say some people that were very sensitive about our commentary as it relates to your rotundness. My rotundness. I'm just using the words that we use and that they, they said too. We're very concerned that we may be fat shaming you. Fat shaming me? Well, clearly not me. You're fat shaming yourself. <laughs> Clearly, they're not talking about me, bro. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's all right. So I can handle it. Can you, though? I can. All right. All right. Well, for what it's worth, our last episode performed pretty well. And despite the fact that the rhetoric was there that may have offended some people, you have survived with your emotions intact. We're good. So just to be clear to everybody out there in listener land, there are still two hosts because the second host didn't commit suicide because he was so offended about the fat jokes. We've been friends for, for a long time. And the fat jokes have always been here. And the fat jokes have always, always been, been here. Been. Not even, when I've, even when we both been in tip top shape. Yes, but it seems like a lifetime ago though. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So I had some I had a uh, had a couple things happening this week that I wanted to share with you. I don't think I told you about both of them, but I don't know, at least I don't remember I did. Okay. Uh first one, somebody hit me up and found the commentary as it relates to Dave Ramsey, uh, particularly the title, Dave Ramsey Sucks. Uh, of the last episode we dropped oh, to the, be offensive to be offensive to to dave ramsey 
Yeah, because they said that as, as logical and as as informative as our opinions were as it relates to some of his conduct, it seems as if calling him names is offensive. Not the fact that he's ripping people off and right. manipulating the truth. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right, I try to explain it to the person. And then I'm like, well, I, I do want to be honest with you. Yeah. The next episode <laughs> is also called it's something, something. And Dave Ramsey still sucks. Still sucks. <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> you're probably not going to like that episode. It's probably not for you. Yeah. Get ready for it. It's a good. It was also a good episode. Uh, yeah. I, th- I thought it was a good. Episode. Our last we'll couple have been pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, alcohol and fat jokes. It seems to make people happy. Well, it, it helps. I guess with the fat jokes, keeps, but the alcohol. Keeps, but it keeps people around. Like maybe Saeed will lose it this time. Yeah, I think they wonder when you yeah. pop off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. I'm done. I think most people listen to the show going like, how long is this guy going to take his shit before he punches <laughs> him right in the jugular in the middle of a show? Oh, man. <laughs> so the second yeah. thing I thought was cool, and this is not work related, I mean, per se, but uh, two people came up to me this week who knew who I was because they either listened to the show or saw social media. Right. You mentioned one on the last one, but you one didn't get to the second one. Yeah. So the second one that happened to me was even more weird because it was somebody that I thought that I knew, but I didn't know. So I kind of faked it. <laughs> and he's like, nah, man, you don't, you don't know. You me. know, you don't know me. You're <laughs> you just trying to be, you're just trying to be like, nice. <laughs> this is, this is a very new thing to me. The people that we don't know, listen to stuff that we say and actually give a shit about what we say and know who we are. This is, well, this is the beauty of me not having social media. People are just going to wonder who, how does this site on no, my no, look I've, like? I've remedied this problem. Oh, <laughs> I've got a facial shot of you that I'm putting on all the posts. Now. Oh no. Like, yeah. But, but those photos are from a long time ago. Cause you don't have anything recent. Like the social content. Well, cause you're, you're weird, but we're gonna have a photo yeah. shoot in August. in August. Oh, that's right. We're going to have a photo for, shoot. For a media kit. Yeah. So, we have some fun ideas. Yeah, Step Brothers all the way. Yeah, oh, you just revealed <laughs> it. Why? Why not? It's oh, gonna God. be great. Yeah, just, I actually want to do that for the album cover, like of the podcast, and <laughs> see if anybody notices. Yeah, besides those who actually listen are to now the show. listening and now so can none of my out. family and close friends will know. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So uh, I had I had um I was thinking about some topics, and you and I were talking conversationally, and the story of how I bought this house for three and a half percent down we thought might be relevant and helpful to people. Yeah, very much so. And probably the reason why you've held off from buying for so long, because you got such a smoking deal on this one, you're waiting to get another smoking deal on the next one. No, I'm not waiting. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not 100% true. I, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity to buy. Right, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't think back then I was gonna get a smoking deal on this house. But I think I told the story before to a bunch of people, but uh, I, I, I basically, New in 2012 that the market was kind of bottoming out and all these banks had tons of real estate owned on their balance sheets. And for those of you who don't know, banks are not in the business of holding real estate on their balance sheets. They have to sell it off in the secondary market, but there are accounting implications to doing so. So if you sell something off at a loss, you have to realize that economic loss the quarter that you sell it. Right. So these banks were selling portfolios off... uh, Kind of strategically so that they mitigated their paper losses and their their accounting losses for reporting to the street so that their stock would continue to trade and perform well right right they have to they have to have a consistent number so the analysts can really predict what their pro forma is and they don't want to just throw it all out there right all they're strategically releasing them right? exactly so there, I mean, there was tremendous amounts of foreclosures back in, after the great recession and 2012 was kind of that, that holdover of just having to let go of some of these portfolios so i put a bunch of offers on a bunch of reo property including the property we're in now and that was in, uh, I want to say October. Mm-hmm. And then the next April, I was on a trip with your cousin and we were going overseas. 
Uh, we were stopping in Miami and then going overseas. Oh, that's right, right. Okay. And right before we got on the plane to go to Miami, mm-hmm. I got the phone call from Wells Fargo saying, hey, the offer you made literally six months ago is accepted. You have 24 hours to put down your good faith deposit. Did you even remember? Or did you, were you still I holding had, on had, to that or you just like forgot about it? You just thought they passed? No, no. I had no idea which property it was. I literally had no clue. I, I made, so I probably made like six or seven offers on REO property didn't hear back. Not even like a received or a thank you, like nothing. <laughs> yeah, like it was yeah, just like yeah. silence. Like it went to the ether and it just disappeared. Just disappeared. Nothing. Yeah. So I was like, uh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, I asked the address, but I was, I was in the middle of the airport. I didn't have time to check it. So it was just kind of like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. I get to Miami. I don't even know if Miami has Wells Fargo's, but then yeah. Yeah, it was Wells Fargo bank. That was the REO bank. Right. And I'm like, right. okay, watch well, the deposit the money. I luckily banked with Wells Fargo. But I couldn't call it in. I had to physically be there to sign like paperwork. Right, right. So I get there. We party all night long because that's what you do in Miami, mm-hmm. right? And then the next morning, we get up. We go to a pool party. I am still massively hungover. <laughs> I do not remember anything from the day before. There's, there's parts I did not want to remember from the day before because it was a terrible day. And we get to the pool. Everybody's set up. And we're sitting down at this like cabana. And I'm like, oh, shit. I got to go to the bank. Right. Because I had 24 hours, but then we were three hours ahead. And it, oh, the whole thing, yeah, 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 yeah. So the whole thing was weird and messed up. So I was more worried about banks closing because it, it was approaching one o'clock. Mm-hmm. Turns out they closed at one o'clock. But we were in, I want to say the Fountain Blue or something close like that in Miami. I had to rush over. And banks have like their cutoff time too, right? For wire cutoffs, yeah. one o'clock. One o'clock, right? Yeah. Right. So, and they, they happened to close on a Saturday at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was like a double whammy for me. And we were in South Beach in the middle of WMC. So cell phones just don't work. There was just too many people yeah, for the I, cell phone tower. So I literally got into a cab. Cab took us half the way. We got into traffic. We got out of the car. We ran over there. I finally got into Wells Fargo. It literally, as she was closing the door. Wow. Uh, and let me in, sent the wire off and got this property. And, and I, I bought it sight unseen. I, how, first did time, you, how, how did you feel about that? You just... At that point, uh, you were living where again? So it, it didn't matter to you, right? As long as it was in the right I area. I started buying real estate really, really quietly, but I was living in a four, uh, 580 square foot. You remember my apartment? Yeah, yeah. I was living there. Okay, that was the spot. Okay. 580 square foot apartment. I was paying it. When I started there, 1460 a month. I think when I left, it was like 1650, maybe a little closer to 1700. It, it's like over 3000. Almost. Oh, like, yeah. It's crazy. How I actually have some numbers on that too that I did a little bit of research for. Did you really? For the podcast. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, just a, nothing that you and I don't know, but just um, you see Miami's rent, rent went up forty eight percent. Forty eight percent. That's that's just Miami, but we know rents have been increasing, right? And according to Realtor dot com, right, fifteen months straight. June's expected to be the sixteenth month straight. Studio apartments went up sixteen point nine percent over the last twelve months. One bedroom apartments fifteen point two percent. Two bedroom apartments fourteen point eight percent. For the last 12 months and expected am, to continue to go up. Not only impressed that, that you did homework. Good job for you. I should Thank give you a gold star. So we should have something here so we could. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never actually heard those numbers before. So uh, it is, I've heard some of them. But yeah. So that, that's the fallout of. And we'll finish the, the rest of the story in a little bit. But that's actually the fallout of, of the market that we're in. It's an affordability crisis. Everyone keeps talking about, oh, it's not a credit crisis. It's not a credit crisis. Well, unlike the credit crisis, they couldn't do this back then when it came to rents. Right. Right now, it's so expensive to buy a home that the rental pool has increased dramatically and these prices are jumping up. Yep. But then now the tactics that used to be kind of like tactics of desperation, I want to say a little bit, and my Mm -hmm. realtors out there will know this. When your clients wrote like uh, a letter that said, hey, we're a great family. We we deserve this house. We've got a kid trying to convince the seller to... Yeah. to give them the house because there's an emotional connection or a trigger exactly. there. And sometimes that does work. I'll give them that. But mm-hmm. 
I've never advised clients to do that. I think it, I don't think it really helps them to be honest with you, but some people do, but now people are doing that for apartments. No, they're not. Yeah. My brother tried to rent a property and I, I, he's, I don't know if he's going to be upset with me sharing the story, but we know he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> so so, it matter. so he, if he ever hears it, my bad, bro. But yeah. he and his fiance were trying to get a place. And as part of their like rental agreement, they provided a letter. Mm-hmm. which talked about them being a new couple and, you know, they were going to wow. yeah, the whole thing just to get uh, a place to rent. And they didn't get it. People are coming out like, like you know, because they were saving money to buy properties. They didn't, they didn't get it. So they have all this cash. They're paying like a year rent up front. Yeah. Especially, I mean, these apartment companies, they're, they're not caring, man. They just... That soft story is not going to get them. Well, especially if you're like in a monopoly like like Irvine, which exactly. is owned by the Irvine company. So yeah, that, that's not going to happen. But it, it's at a crazy time, and I, I think that there's some tremendous risk for the first time ever. I think there's real risk for the multifamily segment with mm-hmm. downside downside and rent. Did you is your cell phone password zero 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 zero? It is, and you just is, is that, released is it that to all you, seven listeners. Bro, you can't just tap the zero 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 in front of me. Like, what, what is that? I know your password too. I can release it. Yeah, go ahead. What do you got? No, no, I know what it is. I'm not, I'm not how do you, uh, you know my cell phone password? Because I know it. That's crazy. I just happened to see you punch it I, right now. You've told you, me it before. Yeah, I have told you before. It's sausage uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. What other, what other notes you got? Yeah, yeah big got, notepad here. What I got a lot of notes. Finish your story, though. Come on. Well, I mean, look, we're in a weird time in the economy. All these things are going to wind up being problematic. But for the first time ever, I think we're in a true affordability crisis. You got cars, electric EVs are up 22%. You got home prices, 20 plus percent. Mm-hmm. Inflation going up, all these things going up. And now rental costs are going up. And affordability was already a problem in housing. Low income housing was always a challenge across the United States. Mm-hmm. We're at a time where people are like, okay, these prices have to come down. Inflation wants to come down. But they don't want what comes next. Right. They don't want exactly. And the market's already showing that it's... It's been going down. I mean, do you think what the projection is another 0.75% hike in July? Yeah, I, I think that's going to happen in July. Let me tell you, I think July is going to be real. I think July is going to be the epicenter of what we look back on and say like, damn, that was rough. 100%. Because yeah. so right now, GDP came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out on June 29th and it came out and it was 1.5, 1, 1.6%, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Uh, GDP going down. Right. So the definition of recession is two quarters going down. And that's that's two two quarters, six consecutive months. That's a recession of GDP, right. GDP going down. Right. So that June number was Q1. Yeah. Okay. When the July number comes out, which okay, will be which we'll talk about Q2. Right. That'll come out on July 13th. Well, it'll definitely be uh, no July 28th. Really? I think oh, July 13th okay. is monthly or something. Like I that. thought that's when the CPI report comes. CPI out. might be yeah, but, yeah. but GDP will yeah. be July, okay. Uh, July. Okay. So what they're what they're going to wind up saying is that. Today, yeah. July 1st, as we record this right now, right. this is the technical start, start of the recession. Of, yeah, I know. And people really get frustrated, but they don't understand. In order to bring inflation down, they see like, oh, the Fed's doing all these things, and yet these things are still going up. They're like, oh, maybe the CPI will go down. They don't realize the implications of that happening. You want to know how it's going to, you know it's working? Mm-hmm. People are losing their jobs. Unemployment goes up. Right? That's how you know it's working. Mm-hmm. Because once you start getting there, unemployment goes, goes up, wages come down. And these things will go through a temporary transitionary period where these asking prices, nobody can buy at them. Right. So they're going to come down. Right now, there's still a frenzy to get stuff because people are going from housing, like buying a home, mm-hmm. going into renting. And people are paying these exorbitant amounts of money because it's still money that they had around or they had some affordability still there. But now as prices increase, that'll go away. And then the whole market stalls. What happens to multifamily apartment complexes when they're rented out way too high? Yeah. People start losing their jobs. 
Yeah, that's scary. I don't think it'll be like an epidemic. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be a huge crash. Well, but all they have to think- do is lower their rates, right? But I mean, now they got these they got these loans on their properties that they're supposed to service this debt at X amount of dollars. Yeah, I mean, a smart bank will underwrite to the lower of market or rent in place. And a but lot I mean, of these markets have rent control, so they haven't been able to bump fully up. So yeah, California right. is kind of different. Mm-hmm. But in markets like Miami, yeah, where there's no rent control. In there's no rent control in Miami. And most of the area. I mean, so how, do you, how else do you get 48% increase wow. in a single year? Yeah. That's how you get it. Jeez. It's because it's not, there's not like that statewide rent control. I mean, you have to understand, there's a lot of politics too in like Texas and Florida and places like that throughout the Midwest, especially the places that I own in real estate mm-hmm. that are very landlord friendly states. Like Oklahoma is probably the most landlord friendly state. And I didn't know that when I invested there. I just, I just started buying there because that's where I was born. That's why right. I had family. I had connections there. So it made sense. I guess another scary, this, another scary part about all of this is that, you know, we had been talking on previous episodes about quantitative tightening. Mm-hmm. And that actually hasn't gone into effect yet. It's go- It's actually no, just. It's happened, but we haven't seen the impacts of it yet. Yeah. Well, so there we've talked about it before that they want to take out you know, around forty seven billion dollars a month for the next three months. Right. But actually, the first half of June, they injected twelve billion. What the fuck? Are yeah, you man. Come on. Bro, <laughs> I did, I did you, a little bit of research. You so it actually really? it actually hasn't. Yeah, it actually hasn't started yet. So. July 1st is when it's actually fully starting now. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Who, who are you? What, what is and then, it? And then I got yes. more. I got more. I love numbers. this version of you. This I got, is amazing. I got, more, I got more numbers for you. Not so. only are you not fat, you were very impressive today. <laughs> I got to tell you, you were. All of a sudden, I come, yeah. with, I come with stats and all of a sudden I'm, I can become skinny. The number, this, is, this is, yeah, you were skinnier the second that you started talking about numbers, man. It's, it's, well, it's astonishing. Well, the scary, so the scary part about this, right, is market's already been hit this year. You know, I think it's gone down 20%. Right. Over the past 40 years, there's been six bear markets. Right. Uh, yeah. Average is average, average of one every six and a half years. I disagree with some of the some coloring of, the, of those is bear markets. But yeah, okay. Yeah. The, but the traditional definition is six. But yeah. Traditional definition. And I'll go over some of these numbers. And so 1982 down 27 percent. 1987 down 33 percent. 2002 down 49 percent. 2009 yeah. down 57 percent. 2020 down 33%. So if we're already down 20% this year, the average of those, it bottoms out at 40%. Yeah. And I think that some people keep looking at like reference points of, of the history of, mm-hmm. oh, this is the lowest market, the lowest stock markets or the most stock markets moved since 1970, I want to say, is mm-hmm. the worst month since 1970, yeah. something to that effect. And I, I, I don't look at that as number one, the market's way higher. Okay. Right. So take that with a grain of salt. Number two, People keep wanting to point to previous recessions and bear markets and say, okay, this is just like X or this is just like Y. We talked about it before. None of these things were started the exact same. Extent. None of them were started so the same way, right? We're going into some very interesting things. And people have almost forgotten about the war going on in, in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And that, that's driving a huge amount of pressure on oil and everything else that the United States is doing. And, and we're almost turning a blind eye to it because people are more worried about how am I going to make enough money to continue to spend and keep up my lifestyle, which right. in some cases... Really shouldn't be the lifestyle. Right. I, I don't want to be that guy, but it's it's that mm-hmm. it's that, it's that true. Right? Oh, like yeah. We we should all adjust down to some level, and I don't think the American population, for the most part, is ready for that. They're not ready for it. And honestly, they they keep hearing. I guess there's some channels that are talking about it. Some of the big, you know, and people on TV and the news networks are now hinting at a recession. Now starting to give into it. But they're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not really feeling any different yet. But it, it hasn't happened yet. I yeah, mean, well, that's the we're point. kind of it in is, it, but you haven't. You don't feel it yet. 
I think that's because people forgot. It's been so long since last year people forget. Yeah. So let me put it in context. There was a panel of CFOs that I read about the other day, and they all agreed, every single one of them unanimously, that was at this massive conference, basically agreed their recession was coming, and it was likely coming in 2023. Mm-hmm. And I find that weird, because I'm sitting here going, okay, you're a CFO. You know the technical definition of recession. You know what's happening. Right. What are you basing that on? Because I'm looking at the numbers right now, and I'm saying we are already in a recession. Right, right. And I am not the only person saying this. I got some a bit of confirmation bias from some other people that that people kept because I said it. Other people kept forwarding me other information from other people that were saying stuff like that. So oh, I know okay. there's some pretty prominent figures out there that who agree with that stance. Mm-hmm. But you'll find this in every recessionary economy. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where it, it's just people don't want to accept the transition and they they keep waiting for some like wham like slap you in the face right. moment where that's like oh my god things are different yeah exactly banks closing banks selling yeah, off yeah, yeah that's not how yeah. all recessions are sometimes exactly. it's just a gradual increase of challenges to where you look yourself in the mirror and go damn like i'm spending a lot more i'm getting a whole lot less there's, i can't afford to buy a house there's not enough left over my account at the end of every month like what's going on yeah and those those things are real man i I was talking to my wife today, like we, we are blessed and lucky. I was looking at the, the cost of, of just our son's in, in school mm-hmm. half days a week. Half days a week. Okay. So he's in school from like 8 to 1230. And we do that because it socializes him, especially after the pandemic. The kids didn't get a lot of interaction. Need it, right. But that's, that's like almost two grand. Wow, man. That's two. That, I, okay. In this market, in Irvine, it's like, yeah, my kids uh, were in a, a daycare facility, preschool, and they were there for, yeah, half day... And now it's like 900 bucks. I mean, to me, that's really expensive. 900 expensive. Let's say you spend in, let's call it $1,200, dollars a month. Yeah, man. That's a Ferrari payment, bro. Under yeah. the right set of circumstances. I, I know some people that uh, were like stay-at-home moms and they're thinking, it doesn't make sense for me to go get a job when my entire yeah, paycheck is just going to daycare. It makes more sense for me to just stay home and take care of the kid. And, and that, do something that's where the wages are just not adjusted. And just find a yeah. job working from home somewhere, you know? Yeah, and that's you just try you just gotta create a side hustle where you can still watch your kids and do the whole thing. I think that's probably part of the reason why the work from home pushback has still got some some way to go. Yeah. People are still gonna figure that out. But but right now, if 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 you're a single parent I mean, you see it, right? The working from home stuff and as an executive from a bird's eye view, how's productivity from with people like working from home? It actually hasn't fallen off. I mean, we're keep in mind our business in banking is very very measured. Yeah. Like I can easily gauge someone's productivity by their results. So exactly. there's metrics behind it and it's easy for me to go, okay, you know, Billy's not doing as well as Kevin is. Right. But no, but like as a whole, right? Yeah. As a whole, look, I, I don't see any, for our industry, I can't speak yeah. for every industry. I, I know in like creative spaces, it's probably different. Yeah. yeah. Right. If you're in a creative space, it's, it's probably very, very different and it's hard to quantify those results. Yeah. For us, I would say productivity is the same, if not better. Mm-hmm. And I really... It really causes some of the old timers to, to scratch their head and go, well, what the, what the fuck is that about? Because uh, it's true. People don't have to worry about getting dressed and about coming to work. And mm-hmm. if they're close enough and they've already got a cultural team built up, then they're, they're, they're running. Exactly. They're going to talk to people anyway. Right? right. Right. But what I will say is I don't know how this translates to promotions, how this translates to, to workplace yeah, growth. And it's got to make it really difficult. I, I would imagine, right? Like. You, there's no office politics that you can play. You're just working from home. It's, it's just all productivity based, right? Like, well, even at its core, man, like people promote you because they like working with you and they see results. Yeah. Granted, they can still see results, but liking working with you has got a different flavor now. Mm-hmm. It isn't quite the same thing. And I, again, I, I came up in a system where you had to wear suits every single day and you had, yeah. to, you had to be there and you had to do all those things. So again, I, I got a bit of a different background. I recognize that, but 
I don't know of anybody during the work from home period that has truly grown their career inside corporate America, at least significantly anyway. Right. So, I mean, I've heard of small promotions here and there. Yeah. But nothing that's material. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I just don't know the right people. Maybe I'm just not close enough to it. But I, I think that's where the biggest challenge is. I think we'll wind up somewhere somewhere with a hybrid in between. Yeah. But then what does that mean for office space and, and business? What does that mean for retail? What does that mean for how we do that things? That is a big question that I had about you know, office space moving forward. I mean, these commercial commercial properties that these people own and if everyone just adopts this new work from home model, what does that mean to, for all those spaces? Business adapts. I mean, that's how this like, um, I almost said conjugal. <laughs> you know where my head's at. Uh, that's how these uh, community properties and, and commune workspaces all, mm-hmm. all came together, right? It was a lower cost, but actually winds up paying the landlord more money and mm-hmm. it's a different kind of work concept for them so like we work and stuff like that kind of took off people will adjust people will adapt i mean malls were super huge now it's all about mm-hmm. outdoor spaces yeah. and there's still some malls out there but they're definitely not what they once were it's middle america it's small towns that really hurt the most yeah but i think a lot of those communal spaces with shared shared rent costs will really start to dominate not right. only in the retail space and 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 um in food space but i think it'll actually help in the business space too i mean after after the pandemic um, I haven't, I've been back to the office one time and I missed the office. I no, missed that. I put somebody else in your, office, <laughs> in your space. <laughs> but yeah, I missed that camaraderie that we all had. And, but if it wasn't like for me, like having my kids and doing so much for my kids and being there and being around, being present, I would totally want to come back to the office because I missed that whole environment. No, you don't. Why are you lying? No, I really do. I used to, I, I missed whooping that ass in cornhole. <laughs> he's talking about the game ladies and gentlemen yeah the game, the game. that wasn't a euphemism <laughs> yeah, he's talking about the game which is still out there nobody touches it it's so sad yeah, because they know who, yeah, who pre- ran the course yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying so hard not to call you names right now uh, man. I, I gotta, come on I, let it fly I, I can't don't give it i don't, don't want to upset don't, one of the don't five let them, listeners don't let have. them shame you man and we have a 20 percent fall off and like overnight <laughs> it's like, I, can't, I can't take those numbers <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yeah it, it's sad man we had all those stuff put around our office we had cornhole out there we had a jenga a big giant jenga thing it was it was you know pretty massive we had ping pong tables we had this grassy lawn and it was really nice yeah I know. for a period of time it was it was cool to go downstairs get a little bit of time and go back upstairs we almost felt like a fintech for a little bit a little bit yeah and then um overnight that that uh that just went away yeah, man, it must have been it must be for for those people that just devote their entire life to to their job, like those fin- at those fintech companies, those working environments must be so cool. So I, I, I okay, I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna say this because I have NDAs. Uh-huh. I went up to a company in the valley that was very prominent and on okay. the rise. And for those of you who really want to go down the path of researching this and trying to figure out who I'm talking about. Their corporate office is the former corporate office of Architectural Digest. Got it. Knock yourself out. Yeah, go figure <laughs> right. it out. Yeah, you got this. Uh, we, I walked in, you know, security at the front door, camera, photo, printed badge, the whole thing. It was pretty relatively high security, but the office was stunning. Yeah. There's this big space. Clearly, Architectural Digest did their, their space right. right. Now it had cubicles and like these little meeting rooms that were kind of these little tiny boxes mm-hmm. everywhere. And the, it was... How did the working environment feel like? Were, were you there on like during working hours or? Oh, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so with no disrespect to anybody there. I haven't coming, heard this. I haven't heard you haven't heard the story? No, no, no. Oh, man. So I, I'm going to I'm going to put an asterisk on the story. Yeah, okay, yeah, look. Okay. So I walked into this as somebody they were interested in hiring. Mm-hmm. And I knew pretty quickly that, that that this was not a high probability of working out. So I figured, you know what? What I'm going to do is as much as they want me and I want to work with them. 
I think they're missing some gaps in education. And once we fill those gaps in, the bigger picture will probably dissuade them from the whole thing. So I went up there with the idea of let's meet, knowing that we were going to have some educational stuff. And as I got up there, there was definitely some gaps that they needed to fix. And they ultimately recognized the challenges that I was telling them. So Uh that being there, love all the people that I met. They're great. HR director comes out in really tiny jean shorts. I'm coming from banking. This uh, is a dude. Uh, yeah, completely. I mean, you, yeah, you were advanced to work, but this is a little. Yeah, this, this is, is a dude. And he yeah. was, he was the sweetest guy ever. Like, yeah. lovely dude. But I'm, I walk in and I'm like, okay, so we're in a different environment here. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. it's different. Yeah. And he shows me around and, and it, 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 I had heard of a lot of things in the Silicon Valley, but I'd never physically seen it. They had right. like a full wall dedicated to just food, snacks, beverages, refrigerators, completely full of glass. Of course, that would be the first thing the you whole, mentioned. The whole thing. Yeah, because uh-huh. man, I can't make fat jokes. I cannot make fat jokes. Because we're fat. Jokes. It's okay. I'm not, I, I, sir, love you regardless of your size and shape. <laughs> Uh, so then um you know he shows me around the whole campus it's cool we, we go downstairs there's like a yoga studio downstairs slash gym and there's a yoga class oh going on God. while we Can were down imagine? there yeah nobody was our size dude i know my my brother-in-law worked for um a company down uh, in socal by like six flags area um and they had a i think they were ranked the number one like creative office space by google um for a year and they had a half court basketball hoop in the center of their office space. Yeah, I love it. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I, love, I would never get any work done. I'm telling you right <laughs> now. Tough. Everybody come to my office. Listen, this is a critical decision. We can talk about it. We should probably play horse and think about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like that, that's what it would be. We'll make this decision on who wins the game of horse. Yeah, or I'll I'll do something like let's play amortization instead. So it's it's a longer <laughs> game. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody really knows how to spell it, but we use our phones, so yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Exactly. But it it was a crazy like culture shock for me to see how how much all those stories were true. And I used to work across the street from Google back mm-hmm. in the day uh, when we were in the building. Uh, right, right. Yeah. So there, I used to see when the lights went off or when it got dark outside and the lights were on inside Google, you could see that their complex had like ping pong tables and all that oh, stuff. It looked, yeah. There was like slides. I mean, it, look, it looked They fun. know what they're doing when they turn the lights on. You oh. can see that stuff. It's like a flex to everyone. Look what we oh, have. The biggest flex ever is I would come into work. I'll never forget this. I come into work on like a Tuesday, right? It's like kind of misty outside. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a nice day, but we're by the coast, whatever. And I'm in my office and I'm looking down, thinking to myself, because there was an Equinox down there. I'm like, I should get one of those chocolate peanut butter banana shakes that are, I think are <laughs> healthier for me, but they're not really healthy for me. And they make right. the situation that I'm in now that I would normally make fun of, but I can't make fun of because people who listen to the show are haters. <laughs> but <clears throat> I would look down there and think that, and this bus would pull up uh-huh. with like TVs in the back, all the headrests and everything. I'm like, what the hell's what going the on? Hell? What the fuck? People would come out with dogs and animals and shit. I'm like getting on the bus, coming so- out from... They had events where they could bring their dogs, take them on like these things, wow. and they would drive them places for like these events instead of working that day. They're like, "Hey, so smart, bring, it, bring I mean, your dogs. Let's this is how they, thing. this is how they keep people there forever, right? Like they just you get so uh, you, you get so like adapted into that lifestyle, or you don't want to. How could you ever change? Ingratiated, man. Yeah. Grabbing your crotch against something. Yeah, no. Oh, my God. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You, you literally were grabbing. <laughs> is, this, this is, 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 is there an underwear issue here? I thought, here? I, thought they, I thought they told you to stop making fun of me. They did. I'm not stop making, making lies. I'm inquiring stop making about your lies. health. I'm inquiring. As a man on testosterone, I'm inquiring about your health. Oh, yeah. What's going on now? Oh, what's is going on? Underwear oh, issue? So what's going on with what your What do you want? You're you a boxer guy? What is this? Oh, it's boxer briefs. Boxer briefs? Like the spandex ones like this? No, no, no. I can't do this. Can't do those. Why not? Can't do those. I got uh, thunder thighs. Okay, that's your problem right there. We can get you a pair of these. We're going to work that whole cross-grabbing thing out. Gotcha. Because I know what's going on over there. You're getting bunched up. 
Right? Is that what that is? You sit down. No. And get like, I'm thick too. I know how this works. The longer this conversation goes, people are going to believe what you just said. But it's not. Listen. Look, man, we both got lower. We're, we're pairs. We're okay? pairs. You can yeah. call what you want. Okay. Uh, you buy normal size pants. They fit your waist. You get them on your thigh. And you're like, what's going on here? So wait, hold on. Uh, you send me a screenshot of the update of the testes. Oh, wait, are we talk about this every episode? I feel like that's weird. What do you mean? You said you're going to give people updates on it. I will. I mean, I have, but yeah. All right. So I think we left off with me becoming a woman. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Estrogen levels really high. Nipple sensitivity, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Right. Oh, that thing. Yeah. So I had a, uh, I called my doctor because, because even after the quarter pill of an astrodol or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. which is the estrogen blocker, uh, I was still having some nipple sensitivity. Not a whole lot, like a little bit. Like it was definitely down yeah, yeah. significantly. But I also was bloated. My fingers, mm-hmm. like, everything was getting kind of like, you know, sausage finger looking. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Something, something's up here. Yeah. So I called my doctor. She has uh, says, come in. We'll give you a half pill of an astrodol instead of a quarter. And these are very tiny, tiny, tiny pills. We'll run your blood work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I, this is all new to me. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm just wrong with the information that I'm given. So don't judge. Right. Uh, normally. You're supposed to be between six to eight hundred is kind of what they're aiming for. A normal healthy testosterone is probably up to eleven hundred at most. That's kind of like normal range. That's healthy, yeah. It is healthy. Anything above that's like abnormal. So to give you an idea, uh, I get a shot every Thursday and then I go back the next Thursday and then that's and in the in the middle of the afternoon. So in theory, that's one full week later. Yeah. And it's also in the middle of the afternoon as opposed to the morning where your testosterone's highest and then kind of lowers throughout the day. Right. So that should be the lowest my testosterone is, right? Right. So they tested me uh, Thursday, so a couple days ago, yesterday, uh-huh. and my testosterone was like nine fifty. I think it was nine something or nine, nine, nine something, right? Yeah. So we went from like three sixty five to like nine something, and she's like, "That's your low." So you're probably like well over fourteen hundred after you get the shot. Holy cow! And I'm like, oh. So how are you? <laughs> how have your workouts been? That's mainly what I was concerned with. I didn't need to know the numbers, but. I feel like the numbers are... You know <laughs> yeah. I want to know how your workouts are going. <laughs> Bro, it's my body and it's going all very weird right now. But workouts are fine. Like, they're great. Like, I haven't lost any weight though. I've gained a lot of weight. Yeah. I probably gained like 10-ish pounds. I mean, most of it's probably water weight, I guess. But water I don't weight, really know. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to tell. Like, I don't know. So, it's so early in. Like, this is week three, mm-hmm. I think. Is it week three? Yeah, week three. Week one, two, yeah, three. Yeah, week three. And I'll tell you that... I still don't know what, how this is going to... I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Like, I, I'm still working out super hard. I'm still going to the gym every single day. But it's a very weird thing to go into something on faith and know that your body is just going to be changing a lot. And I have to yeah. do blood work and all these things to kind of just figure out where, where it normal take, is. Yeah, it, ta- it must take like a month, month and a half to figure out where that true baseline is. I think it's going to take like two or three months, to be honest with you. Yeah. To figure out what baseline. Because apparently after... So this is what she told me today. I didn't know this either. You get a shot of testosterone. It's not uncommon for your first couple shots to spike you up like that. Yeah. So they're going to lower my testosterone from 150 milligrams down to 140 milligrams to see if that kind of keeps me in the six to 800 range uh, okay. for now. Nice. And then it'll probably creep back up to a higher dosage later on. Cool. But it's, um, it's been a frustrating learning curve, man. Like it, it, it's like, it's weird. Like you're, you're basically playing like with your body, like a chemistry set and you're hoping for a good reaction and you're trying to tweak dials and knobs but at the same time, you have to watch out for like weird side effects in between. Yeah, but you've always been kind of into this stuff. Remember, you were one of the first people in in our like circle that was, uh, you know, testing like macros and messing with your diet and cutting weight. And you want to yeah, add yeah. muscle now. Let's add the protein. This and that. This is now just taking it one step further. But this is out of my control. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah, like that I could do and I could monitor myself. Whereas right. this, 
I'm relying on other people to tell me what these numbers are doing. Yeah. And, and then like in the, in between, I'm like, yo, like this is not feel right. Like what's going on. Right. Right. And that, that's, yeah, I guess I'm a that, control that's person. A, yeah. That's like, a scary part. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel really good. Right. I still have to finish up this ha- the housing story, by the way. Okay. Let's go with it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm in Miami. We close the deal. I send the money out. And my original plan was I knew I was getting a deal right on this house. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember which house it was. I just knew that I made the offers. I made them all relatively low. Mm-hmm. And I knew in 2012, values were going up, not down. Yes. So whatever offer made was probably in a better situation. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I sent the, the good faith money out, which I think in the contract was like five or 10 grand, it wasn't anything huge. Right. And I sent it out. Uh, I originally got on the phone with my lender and was like, yo, like, what are the options here? Mm-hmm. We kind of did some things. And I called my dad afterward and he was like, look, so you're probably going to get a crazy deal on this property. And I said, yeah, probably. I said, at least... At least for right now, I'll get it under market. And you know, who knows what it looks like inside because it's been vacant for a while. It's REO. It could be plumbing issues. Or it could be holes in the walls. I don't know. I don't even he's like, do you know where it's at? And I said, oh, I got the address yesterday. He might have the address. He goes and checks it out. Right. His realtor just you know, walks in the property. There's a lockbox. Checks it out and goes, okay, you're going to deal on this property. He's like, well, let's try something different. I said, what's that? He's like, put 3.5% down. Well, owner-occupied loan. Mm-hmm. You're going to move into it, right? I said, yeah. I said, I, I can do that. Originally, it was supposed to be an investment property. Oh, really? Okay. But we did the math on the, what I was supposed to be paying for it. Right. And even with three and a half percent down, it was still cheaper than my rent. Wow. <laughs> and that was back then. That was back then. Yeah. yeah. So I put three and a half percent down and I was like, well, what, dad, why wouldn't I just put more down? And he said, well, you can buy another investment property, which I wound up doing. Yeah. And he said, you'll have more to put down on that property. And in six months, you can just refinance your property and get rid of that private mortgage insurance and you'll, you'll be closer to 20%. Right. Because the values are going up. Because values are going up. And I was buying it under market value at the time. Right. So I think I I, I got it for three fifty plus a twenty five thousand dollars seller credit. So the three twenty five. Well. Uh, and I think it appraised six months later. It appraised at around that for when I got the the original loan, which is kind of suspect, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But like six months later, it appraised for like four fifty or something like that. Wow. So I walked right into the equity, got rid of the PM, uh, private mortgage insurance, and yeah. then wound up having a normal. So explain mortgage. explain to people how the bank comes up with the sale price for those properties that um, you know that they own. So the bank has an obligation to its shareholders and to the well to the to itself to get the highest and best money for a property. Right. However, there are some challenges in doing so and going too far over market. These banks are going to write down the property to what they believe to be market value at any given time. So what right. they carry it for on their balance sheet could be a different number than, for example, what they took the property over for and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When they're trying to clear their balance sheet, they're not looking to to make money off these properties. That's not how banks typically work. Right. And any excess funds probably should go back to the original owner. And some right. states have arduous and challenging legal issues with making money on a foreclosure for a bank. Okay. So more often than not, they will sell them at their carrying balance so that it's a net zero on mm-hmm. their balance sheet. However, when they sell them, they do have to recognize any losses that they may not have recognized or they may have held in reserve. Got it. So that can have a material impact to their balance sheet. It makes it look like, well, and, and their income statement. It can make it look like they're making less money in a quarter than they actually are. Right. Because these are not real losses to them. They've already taken a quote charge off. Or they've already ch- taken a deduction for it. So the bank's really kind of looking for that net zero and they go into it with that kind of accounting philosophy, right. at least back then because there was so much. These days, banks are reluctant to price anything lower than, than the true market value because they know they can get it. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so changed it's, di- a lot. it's different. Yeah. So these TikTokers that are online telling people, 
just wait to get the just wait to get a property that a bank is real estate owned. You'll you'll make a killing. It's like it's not like that anymore. Yeah, those days are gone. Yeah, those days, those are, days gone. are gone. And I don't mean that in like an insulting like way. Hey, look, if you can get a deal like that, it's great. In the eighties, they were prevalent. In the eighties, wow. In the eighties, banks would foreclose. And I know some pretty notable people in banking that this is how they got their home. Wow. They would foreclose on properties where they would be like this beautiful property on the beach, and they'd go, "Hey, who? Anybody in the company want to buy this?" Oh, wow. They would do that. That was standard practice. Yeah. This and, before, nothing, and there was nothing against it. There was nothing against it back then. It was yeah. it was later on, um, kind of post nineteen eighties ish that that the banking law stepped in and said you can't do this. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Looking about the timing of the crises that were going on in around the eighties, eighty one, eighty nineteen eighty nineteen. What a gig, so, man! I know a guy whose name should not be mentioned, right? Who worked for a bank, and I think he was an appraiser back then, on a chief appraiser, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And he bought a beautiful home in Redondo Beach on the beach because the bank had foreclosed on it, and he was like, "I'll take it." Yeah. And they're like, okay. Yeah. And they, and they sold it to him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and he got it for the carrying balance, which is... Yeah, those days the, are gone. Those days are way, 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 way don't, gone. Don't bank on you, that. Yeah. That would be such a massive conflict of interest by today's standard. But banks have also recognized that they're... If I take a, a property back from you mm-hmm. in a foreclosure action... Yeah. And let's say the property is worth a million dollars, but you owe 800000 and you couldn't pay your payment. Right. Yeah. And I take the property back from you. I have come up on $200,000 in equity. Right. A bank has to give that money back to you. Has to? In most circumstances, yes. Right. They have in to in the state to. of California, they do? In the state of California, they absolutely do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean... Because that's your money. Mm-hmm. I, only, I only can only pay myself for my, my unpaid principal balance, any interest accrued, my fees, my attorney's fees, my cost of foreclose, all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I can cover all those costs. Yeah. Run, those, excess, run those bills up. Yeah. Should, should, in theory, go back to you. Yeah. Now... I, it, depending on how the foreclosures work out and everything else and giving up the title, there, there are circumstances where banks will keep the money. And I think that some of that's that's fine if you sell in excess. The, the, the problem is, is banks get positioned in, again, this is one of those situations where I'm watering down some of the legal challenges, not to yeah. mention the cultural challenges. Right. Banks are always viewed as the big bad. Right. Like, they got, they got to be worried about the PR behind it all, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be seen as foreclosing on people and making money off of it. Mm-hmm. So typically speaking, rather than even deal with the can we keep this? Should we give it back to the person? You right. know, what are we doing situation? They just sell it at the carrying balance. It's a wash. Nobody wins. Nobody yeah, loses. Exactly. They get paid that's off. Not their, that's, that's not how the how banks make their bread and butter. So yeah. let's just, just move on from this. And if there's any attorneys out there who are listening to this who want to take objection to it, I'm in the middle of, of one of these transactions right now. <laughs> it's absolutely oh. miserable. I, I, can, I can say unequivocally that I'm watering down a lot of this because if I get down this path, it's just going to piss me off to no end when I talk about how completely strange california is when it comes to protecting people in their homes in some circumstances it's yeah. totally fine I landlord it. tenant law it's always pro tenant right it's always pro tenant it's always against the banks and it's not even about like the banks and like following the laws mm-hmm. if you get in front of a in front of a jury and a jury thinks that they perceive you as an institution is trying to manipulate mm-hmm. you're always starting off from farther back than a consumer would yeah and i don't know that, i don't think that's fair yeah you know Banks are, are not people. They're organizations that, that have a job to look out for their shareholders. Yeah. And yeah, you could argue that some things are mean or malicious, but it's not a person being mean or malicious. It's just they have to do what they have to do by policy, by procedure, by conduct. It's not, it's not a personal thing. Yeah, you know what the banks need to be doing, right? Mm. Is they, they need to jump on the Johnny Depp train and hire Camille Vasquez to represent them and they'll win every time. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment on that matter. Uh, sadly, those also wouldn't be public either. But it, it's 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 a weird time, man. And I think that the next economy will be un, unlike anything we've ever seen before. But I think more importantly, I think in the in between between whatever we fall out, we see 
we're going to wind up seeing renters get squeezed real, real hard. Yeah, man. I don't know when these rates are going to go down, these rental rates, but. Can you imagine uh, if you're a renter in Southern California and you're just getting priced up every single time? I mean, every year, right? I remember when I lived in that that 580 square foot apartment. Mm -hmm. I remember how when it went from 1480 to like, I think it was was like 1550 first. Mm -hmm. I remember how much that squeezed me. Oh, yeah. It was only 70 bucks, but it's squeezed. Oh, now it's, yeah, it's, it's more than that, especially if it's. Yeah, I know California has this statewide rent control, but that's for older buildings. I mean, what about these? What about these uh, Irvine Company properties? Irvine Company has that are the all same, newer. They have a, there's a state rent control as well, but yeah. they they have some rent control obligations as well. But they they, they jack rents up quickly. And yeah, they, they are very disciplined, and you're not going to win that yeah, argument. They, yeah, exactly. It's on their so, calendar. Don't think you're, they're going to just forget it. As much as I would like to make fun of you right now <laughs> and wrap this up in a witty, charismatic way, we got to get back to that. This is it'll it'll get too dull if we don't. Come on, bring it on. Really? Yeah. You look fat. I, <laughs> I feel so much better. I feel so much better. God, I haven't even oh, waited nice to get to be back chest. to normal. Yeah, it's, it's good. You look, you look thicky thick. <laughs> thicky thick. With a little bit of hair on top. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, look like a jelly bean with hair. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Too hard. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, damn it. Now oh, we're down yeah, to like yeah, four listeners. Four listeners. <laughs> it's okay. All right, brother. Well. We on to the next one? Yeah, on to the next one. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's your boy, Chris, and your fat friend, Saeed. We out. Appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.